The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today's message includes a message begun yesterday on the topic of the resurrection. Article 8 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church says that we believe in a resurrection of the dead and a general judgment and that the felicity or joy of the righteous and the punishment of the wicked will be eternal. Yesterday we began to look at the return of Christ by examining the fact that we are now living in the kingdom of God. We're not waiting on some future kingdom. We're already there, and it is a spiritual kingdom, not a physical or political kingdom. Today, we conclude that concept and begin to see what the great hope of the child of God is. It's the return of Jesus Christ who will set things right that have been wrong for so many years. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Yeah. 
notice as we keep reading here, or go back to Acts chapter 1, before we get too high and mighty about those out there that get it wrong, that are preaching something else besides the fact that we're in the kingdom, let's just remember that so did the, so did the apostles and the disciples. In verse 6 of Acts 1, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> Brother Buddy dealt with this the other night when he was preaching, but notice that even the apostles got it wrong. They still had their focus upon some earthly kingdom, some physical kingdom, some political kingdom. And as a matter of fact, there was, there was a time when the Pharisees, th these were not the Pharisees. These were disciples of Christ. But there was a time when the Pharisees were asking the same question and they, they, are, they are looking around and trying to say, Lord, uh, Lord, when are you going to throw off the Roman yoke? You know, I would love to see the Lord come back and throw off the yoke of all the ungodly people that have us in bondage today. I would love to see that. But that is not what the kingdom of God is all about. I've known people before. I, I've got some good friends who believe that it's their job to usher in the kingdom of God in some physical, political way. Now, we ought to elect men and women to, to, to office that have a biblical worldview and that are part of the spiritual kingdom of God. But be wary of those who try to implement the kingdom of God from a political standpoint because it is not ever going to work and it was never intended to work that way. The kingdom of God has always been under the radar, if you will. <laughs> in a sense. It's always been out here in the grassroots. It's always been somewhere besides in the halls of Congress or the halls of the presidency or the halls of the kingdoms of this world. Yes, I pray for godly rulers. I pray for a godly Congress and a godly president and I pray for things to change in this nation. But I want to say to you, my hope is not built in that. And you know what that does for me? That means I don't get mad about it when it doesn't work out. I know people that get mad. I know people that spend their lives. All they want to focus on is what's going on in politics. Beloved, you don't need to be focused on that. You need to be aware of it. And you need to be involved in it. And you need to be trying to do right and affect change. But primarily, you need to have your, uh, your mind and your heart in the, in the book of the Bible and in the kingdom of God. See, that's what God intends for us. That's what God commands us. And there were those here in his day said... Well, when is this physical kingdom coming? When is this political kingdom coming? You know what, Jesus, this would be the time now, wouldn't it, for Jesus to say, okay, let me go over it again. Here's one, two, three, and four. These prophecies, the temple's got to be rebuilt. Israel's got to be, you know, so, so forth and so on. He said, it's not for you to know. The times are the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. He said, quit worrying about that. I say to you, beloved, quit worrying about all these prophecies and the complicated end times. So, so what are we to do? Here's what you're to do. Ye, that is you as a church, as the church kingdom, shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now that literally happened there. But for us, what that means is that after the day of Pentecost, see, the day of Pentecost wasn't some charismatic Pentecostal type deal as it's understood today. All the day of Pentecost was is this. Here we have the church together. 
Here we have Jesus and his disciples together. They were assembled together, and he said, Okay, you're all here. You're all ready. Now wait. Wait for what? Wait for the Holy Ghost. Wait for the Holy Ghost. You know, that's an important principle in the life of any church. I trust that when we started this building project, we didn't rush into it. I believe it's been borne out that we did it by the leadership of the Holy Ghost. But as a church, we don't make business decisions. We make spiritual decisions. Yes, we need to be thinking about how much money we got and how, you know, we don't need to go off foolishly, but see, that's part of waiting for the Holy Ghost. You know, we found here in this church, we didn't have the money to complete this project, but we had a strong unction from the Holy Ghost to get started. And guess what happened? As it turns out, we never, you know, we did borrow, we borrowed, what, $10,000 and never spent it. <laughs> never spent it. Paid it back. We kept, Brother Glennon and I were talking about it after we got through with the church. We got through with the, the renovations of the, uh, in the fellowship hall. <laughs> and, and we said, well, is it time to pay it back? Well, just wait. You know, I'm not sure. We, we, be careful. Let's not. And then we realized we didn't need it anymore. We paid it back. <laughs> Never spent it. But it's, and I don't say that. It's not because of us. Let me tell you. It's because of the, the Lord himself guided us, I believe. And that's the principle here that's taught before this, before Pentecost, the Holy Ghost was not here to guide the church in the way that he does now. But if you can have this vision of the church before Pentecost, it's like a, a great ship. And, you know, we're sometimes called the old ship of Zion. Okay, so picture the ship of Zion with the sails unfurled. or They're all out there. It's all ready to go. It's sitting in the harbor. But it's dormant. It's sitting there. It's not moving because it needs the wind to blow upon it. It needs the wind to, get, to, to propel it. On the day of Pentecost, the wind came down in the form of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the wind that propels the ship. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. See, he said, quit worrying about these end times things. I don't, it, and that's what I say to you this morning, child of God. Maybe you don't agree with me about some of these end times things. Maybe you see it a different way. That's fine. Quit worrying about it. You're not going to change anything anyway. Our job is not to be preparing the way for the Antichrist, uh, which is what most people, I'm afraid, are thinking more of than the return of Christ. But it's, it's to be preaching. Uh, it's to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. See, that covers us right there. We're in the uttermost part of the earth over here in Zion community compared to where Jerusalem is. And it's our job to be his witnesses. So, what is it that we are to be waiting on? If we're living in the kingdom today and we're not looking for some future kingdom, what is it we're waiting on? Well, I got good news for you. <laughs> we are waiting for Jesus to return. That's it, plain and simple. He is coming back. Remember what we read in John chapter 14? He said, don't let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said, he said I go to prepare a place for you. Notice he didn't say you and me are going. He said, I'm going. And I believe he did. And I believe he prepared it for us. And then he gives us a contingency. And if I go, okay, well, do you believe he went? I believe he went. I believe he did what he said he would do. He said on the cross just a few chapters later, he said, it is finished. 
He didn't say it's almost finished as long as you'll do your part. He didn't say I'm doing the best I can, just help me out a little bit. He said it is finished. He did that on the cross. He came and did exactly what the angel told Joseph he would do, which is save his people from their sins. I believe that. Do you believe that? Well, if you believe that, then you can believe this. He said if I go, and I believe he did, I will come again to receive you unto myself. Where I am, there you may be also. See, I believe he went the first time. I believe he's coming back to get us. That's, that's simple. That's, it's not complicated. Look at, look at verse 9 here of Acts. Again, going back to our, our text. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. There he is. He's, he's going now. <laughs> and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. What did they say? Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. I don't read any complicated eschatology there. I don't read anything that would be scary or, or um, uh, troubling to me. I just read a great message of encouragement. These, you know, can you imagine those disciples in that day? They'd already seen him crucified. And then the most glorious thing in all of creation had occurred. He had come back. And now he's with them. But wait a minute. He's going away again? We're about to lose him for the second time? We lost him once. Oh, no. You know, can you imagine the troubled hearts they might have? They see him leaving. No, Lord, take me with you. Or come back. Don't go. You know, can you imagine the feelings that they might have had? And that's why these angels came. And they just said, hey, Quit looking up into heaven. You know, that's not, we need to be careful about that. I'm afraid some of the preachers that major in end times prophecy and complicated eschatology have gotten their eyes off of what the duty is here and got their eyes on heaven, but not in the right kind of way. The eyes are up in the clouds. Beloved, our focus and our work is here and now. We ought to have a heavenly vision. But we have to be prepared to do the things. We have to do the things he said here and now. So he says he's coming back one day just like this. Look with me over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. The, the, the great kingdom parables chapter. All the parables in Matthew 13 are about, the, about this very earthly kingdom that we're talking about here. There's one or two though that focus upon the end times. And that's what I want to look at for just a few minutes. Notice here in Matthew chapter 13 and look in verse uh, 24. Here we go. Beginning in verse eight, 24, he says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root, out, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. I love this parable because it hits me where it hurts sometimes. 
So, by the way, we don't have to wonder what it's about because he goes, he tells us about that over in uh, verses 36 through 40 here, 43. And we find out in chapters, in verses 36 through 43, that the sower of the seed is the Lord himself. The field is the world, and the good seed are children of the kingdom, children of God. The tares are children of the wicked one, and the enemy that sowed them is the devil. So we, we have all the parties here, and we understand. So what's the harvest? The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. So we know what this parable is all about. It's about our current experience with tares among the wheat, with, with wicked children of Satan, children of the wicked one among children of God, and what's going to happen ultimately. And he says that the Son of Man is going to send forth his angels and gather all the things that offend and, and all the iniquitous things and cast them into a furnace of fire. And the righteous, we're told, will shine forth as the sun. But notice what he, this is what gets me every time. So when the wheat and the tares start growing up together, okay, the servants come to him. And I believe that's some of us, especially us preachers, especially us preachers. Brother Buddy knows what I'm talking about, but, you know, it's, uh, they come to him, they say, man, Lord, I just see a lot of tares in among the wheat. I see a lot of wicked, unregenerate people among your people. You want me to go root them out? <laughs> you want me to go take care of them? You know, that's so tempting for us as children of God to, to look at somebody and say, well, it's clear they're not a child of God. It's clear that they're not chosen in Christ they're not regenerated they're not listen you may there are times in my life when you look at what I'm doing that you would very easily conclude I'm not a child of God even to this very day if you knew what I was thinking sometimes you say man he can't he's not he can't be a preacher much less a child of God from what he's thinking isn't it tempting to do that isn't it tempting to judge those around us now listen that doesn't mean we don't judge the works and say that's not somebody I can have close fellowship with but anytime you relegate somebody to the pit of hell you're trying to do the work of God and that's not your job to do that's not our jobs to do but notice what's going to happen and this is a simple explanation he says in the end of the world verse 41 he's going to send his angels and they'll gather all the things that offend and them which do iniquity and cast them into a furnace of fire and it says in verse 43, the righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. There's no complicated end times. There's not a two different comings of the Lord. There's not a coming in the air and then a coming all the way to the earth. And there's not two different resurrections. There's just a one time thing that when the end of the world comes, he is going to take us away from the things that offend, the things that are ungodly. He's going to bring us to a place where we will shine like the sun. I don't know about you, I don't shine like the sun right now. One day I'm going to shine like the sun, but not until he comes to take me home. You see, this idea of a kingdom coming down is also uh, put away by what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look with me over there for just a minute in the time we have left. Notice what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the great resurrection chapter in verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 
but every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming, then cometh the end. So what happens when the Lord comes back? It's the end. It's not the beginning of some new phase. It's the end. Then cometh the end. That's at Christ's coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. In other words, people are looking for a kingdom coming down. I'm looking for the kingdom to be delivered up. That's what Paul was looking for. When he shall have put down all rule, all authority and power for he must reign till he have put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. The time is coming when he comes back. And notice the time is given to us here. It's at his coming. Then cometh the end. Then cometh the end. And he'll deliver up the kingdom. You see, we're not looking for a kingdom coming down, child of God. We're like Abraham. Abraham didn't find what he was looking for here in this life, did he? We're told over in Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham was looking for something else. It says that by faith, in verse 8 of chapter 11, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. I don't know about you, but when I started here at Zion Church, I wasn't for sure where we were going. <laughs> I wasn't sure where we were going. I just knew this is what the Lord told me to do. I didn't know that we'd have a building like this one day and a house full of people like this one day. It was just, I was the third member, Brother Mackey. <laughs> you, you beat me here. Aunt Lorraine had been here. You beat me here. But otherwise, I was the third member. And many of you who joined early on, you didn't know where we were going. I don't know really where we're going yet. <laughs> I don't know exactly what's going to happen in 10 years. I don't know what it'll look like in 25 years. But I know this. The Lord called me to go here. Like Abraham, I tried to go. I messed a lot of things up in my life, but I didn't mess that up brother buddy I did praise God I listened that time to come here to this church but uh, and I know if you're here today you feel the same way praise God you listen praise God you're here I don't know exactly where we're going but I'm not looking for this church to take over and to be somehow established as the political center of this community what I am looking for is a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God see he went out not knowing where he went by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country I feel like we're in the land of promise, but we're in a strange country. Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. We read about that city over in the book of Revelation. And I don't know how much of that, Brother Buddy, is symbolic and descriptive or how much of it is literal and, and exact. But I know this, it sounds like a glorious place. We read about all things being new. On over in the book of 1 Corinthians, we'll read about and hopefully come back to that later on about what's going to happen when he returns. About exactly what is going to occur. I don't know exactly what's going to occur, but we're given some great little clues that ought to thrill our hearts. I know one thing that's going to occur. I'm going to be changed. I'm not going to struggle with sin anymore. I'm not going to struggle with sorrow and sadness anymore. I'm not going to struggle with sickness anymore. I'm not going to struggle with problems in family and problems in church and problems in my social life, problems at work. I'm going to be in a place of perfect peace and joy. And for the first time in my life, I'm going to be satisfied 
with everything. I'm going to be satisfied with my surroundings. We'll, we'll hopefully come back to this later on, but I'm going, to, I'm going to be in a place that's so amazing it can't even be described. Like the Queen of Sheba tried to describe Solomon's riches, she said the half was not even told of how wise and prosperous he was. Half has not been told about what we're, what's waiting on us as children of God. But I'll tell you this, I'm not only going to be satisfied with my surroundings, I'm going to be satisfied with me. I'm not satisfied with me right now. There's a lot of things that even this very week that have occurred that I'm not satisfied about. I'm not satisfied with my outlook. <laughs> I'm not satisfied with my emotional life. I'm not satisfied with my spiritual life. I'm not satisfied with my physical life. But one day I'm going to be satisfied because we will see him as he is and we will be like him. And that's the great hope. It's an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast. That's the great hope that the people who adopted these articles of faith 175 years ago placed at the very end of them. We believe in a resurrection of the dead and a general judgment and that the felicity, which just means joy, I had to look that word up, <laughs> the felicity of the righteous and the punishment of the wicked shall be in eternity. Praise God. That's what the Bible teaches us. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.